Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the Freeform TV series, Everything's Trash. We are joined today by creator, executive producer, and actor Phoebe Robinson, as well as showrunner and executive producer, Jonathan Groff. And the first thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is, is really the extensive journey that this show has taken to air and, and to having audiences finally get to watch and discover it, because it's been the process of several years between both of you. I know, Phoebe, you've been thinking about the idea and kind of ruminating on possibilities for a TV show for about five years or so it sounds like and you and Jonathan then kind of started collaborating on this about three years ago in, in 2019 and through that time that the two of you have spent developing this and, and trying to get it off the ground I was interested in when it came to finally writing it sitting in the writer's room and and being on set some of the creative choices that you felt incredibly confident in just because you'd had that amount of time to really sit with a lot of the choices you were making okay look at you out the gate what a great damn question. Yes. Um, that is a question I've not gotten in regards to the show, which I think is a really important one because, you know, I think uh, Jonathan and I wanted to, of course, make a really just hilarious TV show that had a lot of heart that would comment on things. But I think we're just both confident people, certainly, you know, in our choices comedically and kind of the stories that we want to tell. So I feel like we were doing a pretty good job of sort of steering the room towards the, the issues that we wanted to tackle. And it, for me, it never felt like, oh God, what are we doing? Like, how is this going to work out? It always kind of felt like I really trust our comedic voice together. It is really the heartbeat of the show. And so for me, I don't know for, for Groff, but for me, it was always like, if we're making each other laugh in the writer's room, like in a real way, cause you know, comedy people, we can be tough and like not want to give it up. So when we like really give it up and laugh, like we know that we're onto something. And so we would just follow those breadcrumbs and like we would discover things along the way that I think we couldn't have predicted like from the inception of a particular idea or storyline. And we just sort of like just follow the momentum and we were able to create stuff that I think feels uniquely specific to us and certainly represents my voice and my ridiculous fucking brain that I have. Um, but and then the thing about Groff that's so and I will stop talking in a second. Um, but the thing about Groff is that he's so like his comedy is just like he's so specifically funny and it's not just because he's smart and it's not just because he has a lot of heart. It's not, it's just like, it's just a, it's a comedy brain I've never encountered before. And so it always like inspired me to like want to create. Cause I was like, this brain is just so fascinating. He can just like make me laugh with just like a sound or like a, a dumb way of saying something. And I just felt like, oh, if we can match that with like my bullshit. Like we will be onto something. And That's very, I, 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 a mutual admiration society here because Phoebe, <laughs> I mean, we got paired up, we met on Skype, which is how long ago this started as opposed to Zoom, like, and it was like instantly, like, she's so funny and winning and I love her playfulness with language and just like owning language and turning it and making it work for her and turning phrases and, and then like, you know, I think you know, to go back to your original question, like what is um, what what did we feel good about when we we're actually shooting and down the road into it? I felt really good about um, 
how we were able to make choices that let us showcase Phoebe's unique voice and what she had to say and just literally her way of talking. So the decision to make her a podcaster in the show gave us this opportunity to have some of those moments in almost every episode where she's doing that and sort of freestyling. Some of it is scripted. Some of it is stuff she comes up, up with. She's got a very funny kind of foil and partner in uh, Takara Cash, who plays Malika, um, who really just rolls with her. And so that stuff right away was like, oh, this is special. So when we were shooting on day one, we're like, we got something here. Uh, and then the other thing that I think was really smart that I give us credit for, and, and actually I give our partners at Freeform um, and ABC Studios, ABC Signature credit too, is like centering the the um, sibling relationship made for just something a little different. Like it wasn't like a show about a group of five friends, two of whom happen to be siblings. Cause I've, I've done that show and that's great. And that's kind of what friends was, which was great. This is like kind of really starts uh, the season and, and ends the season. Like, looking at the stresses that these two very different people put on each other and yet they love each other and they're both really funny and and very opposite but very much kind of you know intertwined with each other and so that I felt really really good about and then I felt great I've always felt good about our cast when we locked the final piece which was probably Moses Storm as Michael or might have been Neka Okafor as Jesse Jane uh, Phoebe's sister-in-law like okay we we got something here these this 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 is a team that can be really funny, but also be real and sweet and, um, you know, challenging and all that stuff. So it's great. Yeah. And with the fact you're talking about the sibling relationship between Phoebe and her brother in the show, which is so central to it, I was interested in how that influenced the way that you create a lot of the antagonistic elements of the show or moments of conflict between characters, because, you know, day to day life, there, there are going to be those moments, but it's not that they have these huge fallings out and they're not talking to each other you know, there's still a continuous dialogue, even when there's conflict happening, because it's always coming from a place of love. Um, and so how did that really shape the way that you built conflict and antagonistic moments throughout the show, basing it on the center of that relationship? Again, I gotta tell you these questions. I'm just like, yes, if I could hug you, I would. If I could have your accent, I would. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that was really important for me is like, I think that a lot of shows with a woman at the lead, it's always like, where's my husband? Am I going to have kids? Am I gonna buy and I just was like, that can't be the only thing that women are, that it's not the only thing that women are in, in search of. And so when we really did, leaned into the relationship with Phoebe and Jaden, it just felt like really natural. I feel like it's a love letter to my relationship with my brother. And, you know, I think my brother and I get along well. We're very different people, very, very, very different people, but we really love each other and we need each other. And siblings are fucking petty. Like when we, when we fight, the fights are so stupid. Like my sister-in-law will be like, what is wrong with, like, what do you guys even talk? You wasted 30 minutes arguing about nothing. And we're like, well, it's something to us. Like we have points. Um, and I think that that's like a real dynamic with a lot of siblings. It's like, you love each other so much, but you know how to like needle each other in a way that is imperceptible to other people, but you know how to really show up for each other in ways that like, you know, other people like just can't. And like, so I just that sort of complexity that a sibling relationship, especially like an older brother, younger sister one is always, I think, fascinating to me. And, you know, like my brother, you know, I'm 37, going to be 38 and he's about to be 40 
me to, but he still in some ways sees me as like 10 year old Phoebe who was like tagging along with him when he was playing with like his friends. And so just all of that just makes for really, I think, rich, complex relationship worth exploring. I also think that one thing that's cool specific about this relationship is they're both kind of public figures. You know, we have Jaden as a politician. There's a lot at stake for him in and for, for Jesse, his wife, in how do we have this bright, shining star of a sister, sister-in-law who also is messy and complicated. And, you know, we joke, we had to joke in the original pilot script, like, you're the Billy Carter to my Jimmy Carter. And of course, she'd be like, who? Um, or Roger Clinton to Bill Clinton or Hunter Biden to Joe Biden or whatever the analogy is. Um, but like you, uh, you know, it, so and then Phoebe is a public figure who like, you know, on some level, like there's, there's stakes for her in that, too. And like part of her journey, maybe of maturation is like, how do I accommodate this brother who's like this and yet still have him in my life? By the way, we do have them fight pretty hard in, in some episodes. You'll see. <laughs> like we have a pretty good. Yeah falling out episode in mid, mid middle of the season that will be fun to watch. And, you know, speaking of, of the level of success that Phoebe as a character has in the show, how did you land upon what point you wanted her career to be at where it, it is something where she is a public persona. People do know who she is. She has that connectivity and that direct line to her audience, you know, for moments like the Instagram live scene, um, you know, but also at the same time, it, it financially isn't quite matching up to the perceived success. So you get to play around with that balance as well. Did you did you always know that that was going to be the level of success that you wanted and, and for it to be the central place where she has everything together? Or did you play around with different possibilities in that space? Um, I feel like I'm talking a lot. Is that okay? Um. <laughs> another good, I'll just say this. I'll, I'll say it. So you don't have to say it. That's another really good question. Such a good question. I mean, we got to hang out. Honestly, you're so fantastic. No, I, you know, that was like ripped from the headlines, you know, law and order style. Like when Tudor Queens like took off, I had no money. Like I still had all this student loan debt. It was really like exciting to have this thing that I'm working on and that people like cared about, but then like the financials weren't matching up and people were like, oh, you're so set now you're this and you're, you're popping and that. And I was like, no, dude, I'm like still struggling to pay my rent. And I always feel as though, you know, while it's good to show like aspirational stuff, certainly set in New York, I also think it's important to sort of have it grounded in some sort of reality. And it's a lot of people in media sort of have this kind of situation where like you're professionally, everything looks one way, but the reality is something different. I think it's really great to sort of explore that. That's actually great. The way what you just said about aspiration, like there's always a little bit of a nudge to make shows on TV, especially I think on free form, um, a little aspirational in terms of like, you want to hang out with this group of friends. Yes. And you want to see people wearing nice clothes and this and that. And I think we do that, but we also realize that especially once we were able to shoot the show in Brooklyn, there's an aspirational aspect to just showing real stuff in Brooklyn that isn't always pretty it isn't always nice but you still want to be there like I have a 22 year old daughter who can't wait to live in Brooklyn and and and, and go through it and go through like both the incredible high highs of living in a place like that and then the stresses and and, and tricky and and you know not always so pretty things but it still feels like this is your journey, journey, as Phoebe the character would say. 
<laughs> and, and if you can embrace the journ journ, all the messy parts of it too, you know, to quote Phoebe again, like that is aspirational in a different way than just like, to be honest, like Sex in the City, which was a you know, fantastic show that I think was in some ways a template for what we were trying to do. But, but this is maybe a different like lens, you know, a different, different people in a different place. I mean, one of the other things about setting it in, in Brooklyn and setting it in New York is that there's certain things that you can do narratively and comedically that are very true and very real. It doesn't feel unrealistic for Moses Storm's character to know someone that he can call to get hold of an owl day of. That feels like a very Brooklyn, New York thing. And so did you find that also by setting it there, that there were certain spaces that it kind of creatively opened the show up to that still could be very true to your characters? Yeah, I feel like New York is just this magical place that stinks, but you can get like whatever you want, whenever you want. And like the most, it's just a the biggest collection, the most eclectic people. And so, you know, I think our show definitely wants to lean into the silly and the funny when we can. And so just being like, okay, we're going to have a moment where Michael has like, two owl guys were like in New York. Yeah, for sure. Let's go for it. And I think we just wanted to, I don't know. I don't know how you felt Groff, but I just always like those moments in sitcoms where it's like, I know what this is heightened and wouldn't happen in real life, but I don't give a shit. Cause it's just so funny. You know, we also kind of coined a phrase just talking about him the other day. Can I, can I break it out here about Michael? Yes. Yes. The magical. I'll let you, I'll let you share it. What did we say? He's a magical, magical, the magical Caucasian. Yes. Magical Caucasian. Yes. (laughs) Like, like he's one of those characters where like he can kind like you a little bit by that his life is heightened and he has, you'll see in an episode coming up where like he has like, I won't ruin it, but he basically can get them into any club in, uh, in this, in the tri-state area by almost magical means. Um, you know, and that's sort of uh, felt like, like, oh, yeah, let's have this character be a little bit heightened and able to do that. Um, but, but it's, but those people live in New York, right? Like, it does feel like that kind of person who drifts in and out of groups and kind of has all the hookups and all the connections is a New York character, and perhaps even specifically a Brooklyn character. And also the execution of a character like that really speaks to the way that you've both taken so much care of all of the the supporting characters. And actually, Jonathan, for you, I was interested in in coming from shows like Blackish and Happy Endings, where you're really serving such an ensemble of characters and and have that experience of sometimes they only have a scene or two to give you a lot of history and backstory and detail and contextualization on the supporting character. How did that really serve you in coming into a show like this, where you've got Phoebe at the center, but all of the Supporting characters feel so richly contextualized. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm glad that they do. Um, the big piece was obviously I've never done a show built around a, a one. You know, I've never had the huge advantage of starting a show with somebody as talented and charismatic and magnetic and funny as Phoebe. And on top of that, she's not just a performer; she's writing it. She's coming from her brain, her book, her pilot. She did big rewrites on her own on all of our scripts before we took them back into the group. Uh, we had a fantastic writing staff who loved writing in her voice and finding what was great. I think, yeah, it is like, you're always kind of tracking like, 
how are we taking care of Jaden in this scene? How do we make sure that Jesse isn't just the sort of hands folded, arms folded, sourball wife of Jaden who she's protecting? So early on, we were like, how do we get a, a different story for her and build Phoebe and her relationship? So in our fourth episode, which drops next week, um, you'll see that there we, we put a little bit more context and 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 substance onto her character and we're really proud of doing that um and we want to do that and if we get to do a second season um so yeah it's about like always having somebody you know and, and that wasn't just me you know Laura Guten Peterson is one of our our uh, executive producers who's fantastic always like okay what can we do even if it's a small thing how does this joke give a little bit of a backstory to this person too that being said michael again kind of we don't exact he is mysterious like how does he support himself and he's a little bit like partly because moses storm is so funny we definitely fly michael in for like while we're doing our sort of semi-serious story here let's have him be a little bit joke machine <laughs> but that's fine he doesn't mind he's great at it you know, kind of to that point as well, in the way that you're building out scenes comedically, you do end up sometimes at these points where, you know, all of a sudden her brother's walking in, they're dropping a new piece of art that's made of glass that they've just bought and there's an owl flying through the house and we and we get to a point like that. But it's all of the micro moments that build up to the larger moments. And so when you're building scenes together for the show along with the writer's room, what's that process of, well, if this is where we want to get, what are kind of the smallest steps or is it just about the smallest steps kind of gradually giving you the larger idea of, of the comedic space that you land in. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a little bit old school story construction. Like here's what could happen. Like some of it is just organic, right? Like in that story, it's like, we want to tell the story of like Phoebe's broke. And then we get into this thing of like, how are you broke and have then represent your community and and maybe you're living a little bit of a lie so we had that cold open where she's fronting to her friends and to her audience actually that she's living larger than she really can or living beyond her means she doesn't tell her crowd her audience that that got us down a road and then we you know we stumbled into like the owl felt to be a thing that was sort of this <laughs> avatar of like 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 sophistication and elegance and like coolness. Yeah. And we actually saw it. Kenya Barris, who I worked with at Blackish, who's fantastic and a good friend, did a photo shoot with an owl a few years ago for, for a big spread. And Donald Glover had just dropped his. And it's like, so that was like, okay, Black excellence is somehow weirdly connected to owl. <laughs> black people love, like rich Black people love owls. So I guess I will have one in two years. Um. <laughs> And then it was like, okay, then we had this story with Jesse and Jaden where they're like doing something to their house. And it's like, then that's your comedy writer brain of like, can we dovetail or owltail those two stories? I just coined another phrase uh, together <laughs> at the end where for Phoebe's need to have this owl puts her, you know, you, you, your, your A story and your B story, so to speak, kind of bang into each other in a way that literally is hopefully fun to watch. And, and Phoebe, with you, I also wanted to talk a little bit about your performance and your character development process, because obviously with this being a character and, and stories that have ruminated with you over the course of so many years, you know, it's it's very different to getting a script with somebody else's character that they've developed and created, because you not only know Phoebe as a character in the show, but also all of the interpersonal relationship dynamics that you've created. And so how did that really change the way that you approached the, the work as an actor in the series as well? Oh, people usually gonna ask me about my acting. Ah! Um, 
like, I love you so much. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not a trained actor. You know, I worked with um, an acting coach, um, John Rosenfeld, for, you know, a little bit of the season, which was, like, really helpful. But I think... A, it helps that to have sort of my Phoebe stink on all the scripts in a way. But I also am like, as much as I love writing, I love, you know, language. Once you get on set, you're like, well, how does it feel in my mouth? That sounded weird. But you know what I mean? Like how the words like feel like real and feel like something that someone would say. So I would always just sort of like um, follow like my gut and just sort of be like, how would someone just act, re- react to something and like the most authentic way? Like I, as much as I love comedy, I try not to be like, well, let me react in a funny way. It was just like, what ends up being funny is when someone's being true. Um, and then there were certainly moments, you know, uh, we always used to joke about um, the, the, big, the big cat gets the most meat and, uh, you know, some like the lead of the show, I get like the most meat. And then like the morning of when I'm in like hair and makeup and I'm going through the scripts, I would text Graf. I'd be like, this, this cat ain't hungry. Can I have less meat? You know what I mean? <laughs> <Too much>. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like sometimes by actually condensing a scene in the dialogue, the acting actually gets better because you're not like acting and performing like a speech or whatever. You're just saying like two sentences and that's, that's like all you ob- really need. Such a great observation. Like uh, writers tend to write a little too much, even yeah. in, even a writer as a performer like Phoebe, like we would write too much and she would in the mornings definitely go like, do we need all of this stuff? And then I would find on the set like, oh, uh, we have... We have Neko Okafor and Takara Cash and Phoebe Robinson. They're going to act this moment. You know what I mean? They're going to like, we don't need to put that in words. Like that's a look to another character. That's that's in editing and that's in acting and all of that kind of stuff. So you you find that you usually are leaning things out a little bit on stage as you get closer and closer. It, it balloons up because everybody's like, well, we have to say this. Like, no, she's going to act that. Jordan's going yeah. Jordan's to do something and that'll be what, that'll convey that attitude that we need, not not that line yeah and also one last thing it's just like the chemistry with the big five that's what i call us like it is so unreal for like a first season show that that we just play off of each other so well and like there are just moments where like jordan will like throw me a a curveball whether it's comedically or dramatically and i'm just like oh i'm fucking in it now you know, this is a tennis match and, you know, this is Roger Federer fucking volleying over the net and I just got to hit a bat. You know what I mean? So you just sort of like everything goes away and it's just like instinct is like what happens. And then, you know, we'll cut and grow off and be like, that's good. So can you do a little less of that? But <laughs> I also think <laughs> in shows like this too, it's like you're super trained theater and film actors are on our show are, are NECA and Takara. And so they up the game of everybody else in terms of like their acting, they're just pure chops. And then the three real comedians in the show, Phoebe, um, uh, Moses and Jordan up each, up there, up ta- Takara and Neck are like, okay, I'm going to be funny. And they're, you know, they're just good actors and they find the truth of the moment. And all of a sudden you're laughing or just, you know, cutting to Malika for a reaction, which is where the laugh breaks a lot of times when you're editing. 
and because she's always listening and she's always giving you something. And I can't tell you the number of times in an editing room I'm looking and like, well, uh, let's cut to Malika. She, she's going to be doing something good here. And it's like, boom, there she is. And now we get the laugh because she's the, the voice of the audience to some extent, the sane person in the room. And that's a huge talent. In addition to being, you know, bright and funny herself, she, she brings that kind of heft. So, and that's, and that, so it's a nice balance, I think, right. Phoebes of like, yeah. like the, the kind of, you know, freewheeling comedic vibe. And then like these funny people who also are just really good actors too. It's great. Plus, Phoebe Absolutely. does some pretty, pretty good acting, I will say. There's a scene in our season finale with Jordan and Phoebe that is like my favorite scene we shot so far. And it's like, oh, sh- ooh, I got yeah, chills. That was a good scene. That was such a good scene. Yeah. Also, going going back to something that, that Phoebe was saying earlier about wanting to create a show that was commenting on things as well. I feel like with the experience that both of you bring to the table, that's something that you have a real adeptness, you know, with, with Blackish, you know, the, the numbers of, of conversations and topics and dialogues that have been created out of that show. And, you know, for you, Phoebe, as well, with your writing, with your podcasting, with your comedy, and even just the roles that you've taken on in other things, there's always this kind of larger conversation, but it's all centered through character and through comedy. And so did you find that that the two of you had a consciousness about these are some of the themes and topics that we want to explore or because you both come with such extensive experience in that, was that just a natural part that flowed out through the writing process? Oh, I feel, uh, Graf, it felt like a little natch. You know what I mean? That's natural. Sorry, I said that. It felt natural. (laughs) You're too intelligent for me to be abbreviating words like that. Um, (laughs) But... uh, yeah, I think we just sort of know how to thread that needle of like having something to say, but not beating people over the head with it or being preachy because who wants to sit through that? You know what I mean? Like you you want to laugh and feel good. And so, and I think we also did a great job of the, the writer's room. Like, you know, none of the writers in our room are, lean towards being cloying or you know overly sentimental so I think we really were able to sort of check each other and there were moments where you'd be like we were writing something as writers tend to do sometimes you might want to have that moment and then we would like do a table read or we just read out loud just amongst the writers and we go oh that feels like a little that like feels like too too much like siblings we you know you don't often say everything like the I love you is buried underneath like a shut up or like, oh, you're so annoying. You know what I mean? And so we just made sure to tap into those moments of authenticity. And I think that that helped. I think that's right. I think you want you, like, I think the Phoebe right away when we first talked, I want to mostly, I just want to make a really funny show. That was the very first, and I was like, I love making a funny show. Let's make a really funny show together. And that was always kind of our beacon, you know, like how do we just be really funny? But if you're also going to be talking about, you know, contemporary life and the trash that is out there and the challenges of being in your thirties and finding your way and having your brother do this and you're doing this and you're going to get into some stuff that is interesting and does comment on where we are, whether it's about, you know, reproductive rights or black excellence or, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, we, we, we did hit these things, you know, um, but we tried to do it kind of, as Phoebe says, in, in a way that was, that felt natch kind of organic. <laughs> 
And as you were creating the arc throughout the season for Phoebe as a character, um, you know, obviously there's there's the messiness of life and she is a character who's trying to figure certain things out. At the same time, you have that kind of grounded element where she's not stagnant. She does learn from things that she's going through and experiences in the show. Um, and so how did you set about episode by episode finding these are the spaces where she's learning something and she's growing a little bit as a character, but still kind of keeping her true to that element of still being on a continuous journey and finding that space in the middle? I'll say this and then you can jump in. So for me, you know, I, I love TV Phoebe so much not just because she's sort of like based on me like I'm not as like wackadoo as her but there's a too muchness about her that I really enjoy whether it's like her her outfits or her hair or her personality or her like oversized reactions to certain things like I think there's a tendency to to for society tell people to like tame it down like dull the edges and I think she's very much a person who is never going to be that and so I think it allows us to show her like maybe two steps for one step back or just sort of like just like most people when like you learn a like something happens and logically you know okay going forward I'm going to change in this way but you never do you know, there's just certain things, certain qualities about people that are just going to be a part of the fabric of them. And I think that's like what we want in all the characters and certainly in Phoebe. So she's going to like adult a little bit and, and grow up. But do I necessarily see the arc for her like married with like two kids and like 2.5 vacations and having like a Roth IRA? Like that doesn't feel like her journey. And I'm kind of excited by that because I think she's just going to have like a life that feels very sort of authentic to her and real to her. And I wanted to show that just because you don't have like the most sort of traditional looking life that that doesn't mean that you're not an adult. Um, so I think when we were sort of arcing her season out and sort of her journey, like we wanted to have her have these moments where she does kind of like grow up in a way, but also moments where you're like, ah, this bitch gonna do what this bitch gonna do. And we just gotta <laughs> be alone for the ride, you know? <laughs> I think like there's a theory in child development, which I think we're all still in our, some kind of adolescence and post-adolescence where touch points where like you take two steps forward and then always take one step back. And I think that's kind of interesting in characters too. Like growth is always accompanied sometimes by regression in other areas, um, which is fun to watch. I also think my dumb theory sometimes of making TV shows and launching them is that in the pilot to kind of make the audience see the potential of a character, you might take them from A to C in their growth, but then they're going to backslide. And then most of the series is the fun is watching them go back and forth between A and B or just make slow progress again, two steps forward, one step back to be like, you know, because on some level, like for comedies, especially you don't want characters to change too, too much. Cause part of what's fun is knowing how they're going to react in every situation and <laughs> seeing the, the various manifestations of it, not like to be predictable, but to be like, like, you know, the biggest laugh on the everyone, everybody loves Raymond was, you know, cutting to, Brad Garrett's face and he didn't have to say anything when something happened because you knew exactly what he was thinking. And that was the biggest laugh. And we're not that show or that kind of show and we're more serialized and a little bit more dramatic in some ways, but I think you do love 
to watch more incremental growth in television characters, especially comedy television characters. Yeah. I really love that. And it's, it's such a great show that the two of you have created alongside the rest of the team. So really appreciate having the opportunity to talk to you about it. Thank you so much, Jonathan and Phoebe. Oh, thank you. This was a pleasure. This was so good. I could talk to you for hours, but I feel like you would not be interested in that. <laughs> oh, <so good. laughs>